0: And we're live here on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. What's up, guys? Nick Script on the P2W Fantasy Podcast. And it's good to be back live. Not that I couldn't do it before, but I was squeezing in some uh, office episodes on my lunch break. And those went really well. Uh, they got to the point, like 20-minute episodes. And uh, I thought I had some really nice topics. So if you are listening to this one and you have missed the last couple of episodes, they've been pretty, pretty good just because I feel like I've gotten a lot of uh, information out within like 20 minutes and gotten to the point on some good topics for redraft this coming season. But we have a great episode today. Uh, It's going to be a solo show yet again, which I I don't mind doing. I'm going to get back to having some guests on sometime soon, but mailbag episode. But before we get into that, as always, this podcast is partnered up with the Fantasy Points Media Group. Uh, If you are not familiar, fantasypoints.com. It's a one-stop shop for all of your fantasy football needs. And you can use the promo code P2W22 for a discount. And uh, like I said before, major mailbag episode. I got a shit ton of questions to get through. Super excited about it. Let's get it. Fear to gift, I feel what I can't forgive. I go on in this time, yeah. Won't regret, I'll pick the best on trip. They don't understand. I play to win. Yeah, play the win, I play the win. Yeah, yeah, play the win, I play the win. Oh play the win, I play the win. Yeah, yeah, play the win, I play the win. And I already got Angie in the chat. What's up, Angie? Nice to see you. If you guys want to comment on the show, you have to do it on the YouTube channel. They don't do it on Twitter quite yet. I don't know if they ever will, but uh, I do miss that. But if you are tuning in again, major mailbag episode, we're going to run through a ton of questions and try not to get too stalled on any of them because you guys were awesome that plug these. I have so many questions to get through and you know, I think that just shows how good the community is. I say, Hey, I really need questions. And I have like 50 comments, which was awesome. So let's get into the first one. Uh, From my buddy, Kevin, at the boys underscore 22, redraft, better late round target, Kadarius, Tony, or Robert Woods. I've historically liked Robert Woods, and I do hope he is healthy. Right now, he's going uh, as the 40th wide receiver off the board, 101 overall, according to Fantasy Pros, ADP. So ADP refers to where guys are being drafted right now, which will continue to change throughout the offseason. But right now, Robert Woods, wide receiver 40, 101 overall. Kadarius, Tony, wide receiver 48. 114 overall and a few things make me lean Tony obviously he's going a little bit later you know not like a crazy amount later but uh his ADP is after Robert Woods Robert Woods I think has a nice opportunity because I think that people are forgetting what he's done in his past and how reliable he's been when healthy and you know AJ Brown off in Philadelphia Robert Woods in Tennessee a lot of people are focused in on uh Traylon Burks the rookie Uh, Austin Hooper's over there as well now but um, I think the, the 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 hype for the rookie sometimes makes you forget the other new guys in the systems, and um, I'm pretty excited about Robert Woods here. My one concern though is if he's going to be 100% week one or week two. What's his status? I've seen great camp videos of him running through the ladders, putting in the work. I just am not 100% confident he's going to be 100% week one, and that's not the only reason I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony. I just think Tony offers a ton of upside, and when we're in the you know 100 plus picks of the draft, which both of these guys are after a hundred picks in the draft. I'm looking for more upside, a guy that could maybe put up a, a 20 to 25 point week, you know, out of, uh, out of uh, a flex position, or, you know, if I'm plugging him into my wide receiver position versus a guy that might be a safer play. And I think Kadarius Tony showed us last year with the yards after the catch ability. I know he had that one massive game versus the Cowboys. I think he just showed that he has that ability to take a ball from, you know, five, seven yard uh, catch and take it for 15, 20. And I'm just hoping he stays healthy because he also was banged up last year. But I think he's got a nice chance to be the Giants wide receiver one and a guy who's got a ton of upside and is going to be used creatively. Being that Giants wide receiver one, uh, that that that's appealing to me. And just knowing that, you know, maybe he's going to have those weeks of eight points, but I think he can also give us those weeks of 20 plus points which if I flex Tony, I feel like that gives my team a little bit more of a boost and maybe a safer play in a 12 points out of Robert Woods. But I do hope Woods is healthy. That's going to be the big asterisk for me. But I'm going to go Tony, who's one of my uh, sleepers of this season. Next on the list, at FF Chalupa Batman, redraft. Do you prefer to go tight end early to get one of the top tight ends or wait and go late? When you go late, which tight ends are you targeting? And if you haven't checked out my last episode, go check that out. Again, like 18 minutes of me talking tight ends. And I talked about Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, who I'm not telling you to fade at all. I think they're great picks. I think they give your team a nice anchor at that position because they are very different. They're tier one guys in comparison to other tight ends. But the one thing to keep in mind is where they are going in drafts. Kelsey's going around 14th overall. Andrews 24th overall. So that's two guys going the top 25 picks. So Kelsey went ahead of guys in my home league draft this past week and guys like Swift and Diggs. He went number 12, which I, I won't argue that maybe he should go number 12, but I think that I would rather take a guy like Swift, take a guy like Diggs, and then address the tight end position afterwards at some degree. You know, Andrews went ahead of Saquon Barkley. He also went ahead of Diggs. Uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Lamb, Aaron Jones, and I can see myself taking these guys early on, and I think that is a, a decent strategy, but I also see like if I take this tight end, I, I'm, I'm pivoting away from another guy that I think is going to be a solid pick for my team that I'm very high on. I'm very high on Swift. I'm very high on Diggs, Barkley, uh, C.D. Lamb, Aaron Jones. So I've been pivoting uh, from my strategy perspective. Pitts is that next guy for me. It's, it's Kelsey and Andrews for me in tier one. And then Kyle Pitts in tier two by himself. And I think Kyle Pitts is just due for a massive season of targets. He's a wide receiver playing tight end. You know, there's question marks with him and Marcus Mariota, but we know that Marcus Mariota has had a history of using his tight ends to a, a high level. You know, a lot of people have brought up Delaney Walker. Pitts is going 34th overall. So about 10 spots after Andrews and Kelsey's going for, uh, at 14. So if I don't go Pitts, I think my next guy is Dalton Schultz, which again, I've talked about this on my last episode. Dalton Schultz, pick 62. If I don't go to him, then I'm going to pivot Zach Ertz, pick 94, or pivot to Cole Komet at 124. I whiffed in my home league this past weekend, and I really would have liked one of those guys, but they went earlier than expected. So I kind of tried to play the board, and I went late. I think I got Irv Smith and Austin Hooper late, which are guys that – could have some some decent um, have a decent twenty twenty two, but I think the fact that guys like Pitts, Schultz, Ertz, and Kmet, they go a little bit you know later than each other, but I think they have a very high opportunity for uh, a consistent role in their offense. Maybe being the second, or you know, with Pitts uh, in Pitts' defense, maybe the first option in the offense. But guys like Schultz and Ertz and Kmet, right now, to me, with guys you know not really in the picture that can take that second spot and target share. I like tight ends that can have a high target share in their offense because that gives me some more consistency on a weekly basis, and I don't want to chase the tight. Uh, I'm sorry, the t- uh, touchdowns for the tight end position. Next, uh, at Norton, 0723, in what order are you ranking DJ Moore, Michael Pittman, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, and Cortland Sutton for redraft? So I can break down all these guys right now, but for the sake of having so many questions, I'll just give you where I had them in my draft guide, which is still floating out there sold a ton of copies. That was a massive success. I put so many hours into it, 86 pages, loved it. Uh, But this is how I ranked them. I ranked uh, Pittman and Deontay pretty much back-to-back. I had Pittman above Deontay, but they were back-to-back. DJ Moore was right after those guys as well. So these three guys were stacked right outside of the top 12, just like that, Pittman, Deontay, DJ Moore. So same tier. They were in the same tier. I had Waddle at the very end of that tier. So tiers are good because... Let's say I wanted Pittman, somebody took Pittman early, then I can pivot and take Deontay. This is what happened in my home league draft this past weekend. I wanted Pittman, I wanted Deontay, they both went. DJ Moore fell to me, I took DJ Moore, he was in the same tier, so it made sense to go and grab him. Then I got Terry McLaurin a couple spots uh, down in a different tier. I have Terry McLaurin in a tier with Brandon Cooks and DK Metcalf and Hollywood Brown and Mike Williams. And then I have Sutton in the tier afterwards. So that's how I would rank those guys. Pittman, Deontay, DJ, all in the same tier. Terry McLaurin in a tier right afterwards. Sutton in a tier after Terry. It's a lot of tiers and Terry's all together there. But that's how I currently have them ranked. But again, we have many weeks until the season, so things will change. At Rewind CEO, what are we doing with the Bears wide receivers in Dynasty? And he gave me a wink with this. So I, I you know, obviously I'm a Bears fan and... I'm uh, not a big fan of the wide receiver room, but um, Darnell Mooney went in the sixth uh, in the home league draft that I just had this past weekend, which was awesome. Um, his ADP is 63rd wide receiver 27. So that's redraft, you know, dynasty. Um, I, I look at Darnell Mooney and obviously he's going to have a massive target share. Look at his target share this past season and and his demand uh, of a role on his team is going to be even more this coming season with guys like Byron Pringle and Vilas Jones Jr., and Nikhil Harry all together, you know, in their own like random who's going to be the number two wide receiver guy uh, sort of um issue that the Bears have. Could that be impacted in Dynasty? There, there is a chance. They, I think they're going to have some decent money going into 2023. You got a lot of guys that are going to be free agents. I talked about Deontay Johnson. I'd love Deontay Johnson and be a Bear one day. He's going to be a free agent. Will they make a big move like that? Um, you know, do they get a high draft pick after this year? And, you know, I I'm I'm speaking great things into existence. Do they, you know, somehow get JSN from Ohio State? Who knows? So there is the opportunity for his massive target share to be impacted by both free agency and and added rookies in the future, but it's not like you have to pay a premium price for him um, to go and acquire him or, 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 you know, he's a must sell right now because he is the team's wide receiver one. And then tomorrow, I mean, you know, tomorrow as in next season, he might be the number two on the team. So, you know, in in a home Chicago league that I'm in the, the price might be different, but I'm holding Mooney. Um, and I'm also just kind of, if I'm not in a home Chicago league, I might, I might be testing the waters in my league to see, you know, what the uh, other manager might, value Mooney as because I feel like I feel like everybody likes Mooney, but I don't think people like him enough to put this premium stamp on him right now, even though he should have a nice season as the Bears wide receiver one and one of the only true targets on that team. So if I have him, I'm not looking to you know panic sell because he might not be the guy next year. Uh, but there's always, you know, the leagues where he's just like a middle middle flex sort of wide receiver on a, another manager's team that has a lot of um, depth at that position. So that's kind of my quick answer on uh, the Bears wide receivers. I didn't mention anybody else in Dynasty because I have no interest in anybody else in Dynasty. I don't see a point in targeting anybody else in that offense for the wide receiver position. I like Mooney. I like Komet. That's pretty much it for pass catchers. Next, uh, at Jake Carr and a bunch of numbers two two nine six eight three eight two. Did I overpay trading Tyree Kill for Jalen Hurts? Interesting question. I'm assuming it's a one quarterback league, and we're just gonna go with that for the answer. Um, I'd say I'd say yes. I love Jalen Hurts. I actually am way higher on him than a lot of other people. I have him as my QB three overall for this coming season. I do think that even if your team is better, you know, with Hurts. Because you're stacked at wide receivers, I would have looked to do some sort of um, plus minus trade. So maybe you would have sent Tyreek Hill and a lesser quarterback to go and get Hurts, which upgrades your quarterback. But you would have also received a, a lesser wide receiver that you can somehow maybe use in the flex position or be a depth piece for your team. So I'm all for that. If you have a stud running back and you are targeting a stud wide receiver. It doesn't always have to be straight up. Maybe you have a stud running back and an okay wide receiver and you go and trade it for a stud wide receiver and an okay running back. And both of your teams get better at the end of the day. That's the focus. Always your team getting better. And maybe this guy's team did get better with this trade, but I feel like you might've missed out on a little bit of value in a one quarterback league. Superflex whole different story, but I'm going to assume this is a one quarterback league. At Cavalier sports better keepers pick three Bateman as the 11th round pick Mooney as a 14th Sammy Watkins as an eighth Dawson Knox as a 16th Goddard as a fifth PPR so he's got a lot of guys he's juggling right there you know for 2022 I have Mooney and Bateman back to back and I've been switching them around but again same tier so I, I I'm confident in both of those guys having a nice season both of those guys being their team's wide receiver one I don't have one guy a ton higher than the other. I think there's a massive gap between the tight ends that were listed. Um, they had Goddard. I think uh, going uh, fifth round versus Dawson Knox in the 16th. And even if I do have da- uh, even if I do have Dallas Goddard above Dawson Knox, which I believe I do, I think that difference of 11 rounds is a, a too big of a difference for me to take Goddard. Even though I do have him higher than Knox, and I know there's some you know, pun intended knocks on Dawson Knox with maybe not getting consistent targets and being a little bit touchdown uh, dependent. But if we, we see both of these guys as top 12 guys and maybe closer to like the 10 range for both of them, than than the one range, then I don't think an 11 round difference is worth it to keep Goddard. And I wouldn't keep two tight ends in, in this uh, sort of situation where you need to pick three. Then you pick your one tight end and you move on. Uh, I have zero interest in Sammy Watkins or having, or having um, both of the tight ends. So I'm going to go Mooney, Bateman, Knox. Next one on the list, Burnsy 24. Another keeper answer, which I like because uh, we're getting close to the time. If you are in a keeper league, you have to start making those decisions. Maybe your commissioner is asking everybody to lock in their keepers right now. So the league knows. Um, So I I do like these questions. I actually just made a huge trade in a keeper league. I traded, Justin Jeff, or I'm sorry, Jonathan Taylor for Justin Jefferson. And I got some pushback for it, but I was stacked up at uh, running backs. That guy was stacked up at wide receivers. I thought it would make my team better for uh, the long run. Just having um, my wide receiver one in redraft and dynasty along with the, the two running backs that I probably will be keeping. But he has keeper league that takes up round drafted and in max three years. You can only have a guy for three years. My fourth and final slot Renfro 17th round Trey Lance 14th round. Kyler, one more year, ninth round, can only pick one QB, can only pick one. Uh, It's a one QB league. So this is interesting because, you know, I, I'm not as high on Renfro this season, and I still think he's going to be solid. But I think that the difference between um, Renfro this year versus last year is, you know, he capitalized on not having a lot of other guys taking up targets in that system. And he was a, a guy you would start in your wide receiver slot. And I'm not out on Renfro this year, but I'd say he, to me, transitions with hopefully a healthy Waller and Devonta Adams from a wide receiver starter on your team to a flex. And I wouldn't mind flexing Renfro at all, but that kind of changes things for evaluation. But I will say that 17th round is is not the the biggest investment. You know, Trey Lance versus Kyler. So Kyler uh, is going in the ninth, Trey Lance in the 14th. He's only got one more year of Kyler. I, I do think, though, that that five round difference and also having that three year potential of Trey Lance to me is is pretty intriguing. So even if I do have Kyler ahead of Trey Lance, if you miss out on not taking Trey Lance in the season that he is looking to break out in, then I think you kind of miss out on maybe somebody else snagging Trey Lance. Now you just lost um, a quarterback because you are on your final year of Kyler and you might have to scramble and have a quarterback quarterback for the next three years that is a lesser quarterback than Trey Lance and Kyler Murray. So I'm in for a Trey Lance potential breakout season. And I think if you don't keep Trey Lance, you're not going to get him for the next three years because I think somebody else is going to pick him up and potentially keep him If he does break out where, you know, you only might have had the one year of Kyler Murray. So I'm going to lean Trey Lance in this situation, especially with the round difference impacted in that. At call me Steve 07. Who is your sixth round or later must roster player? The guy you want to have on 100% of your teams. And I try not to talk about the same guys over and over again. But at the same time, I have to think to myself that my takes are not always seen by whoever my audience is. So maybe I talk a lot about DeAndre Swift on an episode and I think to myself, all right, I already talked about him last week. I can't talk about him for a couple of weeks, but if you as a a listener didn't hear me talk about Swift, then you missed out on my takes on Swift. Who's not my guy, obviously here, just my example, but I'm going to go Elijah Moore. I, I am super high on Elijah Moore. I think a lot of people, when they say, Hey, tie an analyst to Elijah Moore, I might be one of those guys for some people that comes to mind. Obviously balled out uh, with four different Jets quarterbacks last season. And again, uh, say that again, four different Jets quarterbacks. Weeks nine through 13, he was the wide receiver two overall for those five weeks. He averaged 20.1 fantasy points. So if you expand that to the duration of the season, where would this guy be going in redraft right now? I mean, even with Garrett Wilson, a first-round draft pick coming in, you'd say, you know, Elijah Moore was amazing last season. It sucked that he got hurt because... He was just absolutely killing it. He was scoring touchdowns. He was having big yardage days. He was demanding a lot of targets. So I do think him and Garrett Wilson could be a great duo. I like Elijah, who I thought had a bit of a better prospect profile. His his final season at Ole Miss, I think he averaged like ten catches a game. Just went crazy. I do like Garrett Wilson. He was a first round draft pick, and you know, in Elijah Moore was a early second round. But I think for twenty twenty two specifically. Elijah Moore is going to be the one. If you want to argue that Garrett Wilson will turn into the one fair, but I think Elijah Moore balling out last season was not a fluke for five weeks. And we can say certain guys were injured and other guys were out of the system, but I love the prospect profile. I was all into him at the beginning of the season. I had the Jersey before the season started. He balled out. He was amazing. And I think he has that true potential to be the jets wide receiver one in this coming season. A lot of it's going to be leaning on Zach Wilson, though. At Kelly King, 49 or 17 asks, is there a Washington player in the backfield worth the investment at their current ADP and redraft? So a lot of people, including myself, have been a bit out on Antonio Gibson, even though he has been a top 12 running back for fantasy the last two seasons because it just seems like. Nothing gets better for his situation. You know, J.D. McKissick came back. They drafted Brian Robinson, who Rivera seems to like. You know, you question the receiving upside. You question the goal line work. He's going as the running back 19 right now, 37th overall. I think that a lot of people are continuing to be out, you know, more and more out on Antonio Gibson. So I will say, if in my draft, Antonio Gibson, you know, his ADP is running back 19 if he is like the running back 24 in my draft, I'm going to go and grab him. The more he falls, I'll I'll take it. Because I, I said this the other day on Twitter, because you say you are out on a player, it doesn't always mean that you will not draft them at all. It just means typically that you are out on a certain price. Like Debo, for instance. And I I, I could be 100% wrong about this come the season, but I've been out on Debo just because I, I don't value him as my wide receiver six. But if he fell to wide receiver 13 or something in my draft, Hundred percent, I'm going to take Debo. If he fell to you know wide receiver ten, I would also consider taking Debo. But I just don't like the price. But as guys fall beyond their price, then you should be smart and take them. So if everybody hates Gibson, but he falls in your draft too far, you need to you know capitalize on your board. I Brian Robinson, not super into maybe a handcuff. He's going as the running back 66. So if he's your last round pick or something like that, depending on the depth of your league. Maybe he's a handcuff. I'm not super into him having, you know, standalone value with Gibson healthy. I do like JD McKissick though, running back 45 for his ADP, 128th player off the board, 27 games. The last two seasons played 10 of those games. He's had 16 plus fantasy points. So I'll say that again about JD McKissick, who not a lot of people talk about a lot. I think I might drop a video on him tomorrow. JD McKissick, 27 games played the last two seasons. In 10 out of those 27 games, he had 16, not 10, 16 plus fantasy points. So J.D. McKissick has been a guy who I think he's averaged the last two seasons about 4.55, 5, 4.55. 5. I, I looked it up earlier and I didn't write it down, but 4.55 catches per game. He is used heavily in the passing game. He came back to Washington. He didn't go to Buffalo because I think he knows his role in that offense. And I think he probably was not, not promised, but on the same page with the staff about, hey, my role will continue to be what it's been. And again, when a guy has is having all these games of 16-plus fantasy points the last two seasons, that's a standalone flex player. So I do like McKissick, especially if he's going over 120 picks in a draft. I think he's a guy to consider that not a lot of people feel is a sexy running back because he's not a workhorse, and he's not a guy that's going to run a ton. But PPR leagues, I'm looking for those guys that have the pass catching upside because they do very well for fantasy. At Chuck C6 015 3816, what's the most you'd give up for the 2023 101? B. John Robinson. So uh, that's what everybody as of today is projecting is the, uh, the 101 pick, the running back out of Texas who had 1,127 rushing yards, 11 touchdowns, 26 catches for 295 receiving yards, and four touchdowns this past season. Supposed to be like the next like Saquon Barkley-level prospect. It's too early, though, to, to you know target somebody in your league that you think will have the 101. The person that you think will have the 101 might surprise the league, might make some trades that makes their team a contender or makes their team a playoff team, and now who you thought was the worst team in your league becomes a team that is competitive. And now you thought they had the one one and it turns into the one-oh-seven or something like that. So I think you need to reevaluate values, reevaluate values closer to, you know, the middle to the end of your season. Maybe that's when you start targeting, hey, this guy might be the one one pick on our league. There's no way that he is going to make playoffs and he's one of the bottom teams. And then you have to kind of see at that point where are our values because if certain guys were supposed to be very good for the season and they turn out to not be I mean that then we know for sure that it it uh it, the values change and what's worth what. So I know it's almost like a a you know a cop out answer, but at the same time don't target who you think is going to be your team's, you know, worst uh, worst player is going to have the 101 because things change pretty pretty uh, often when it comes to um, how guys perform. And You'll have guys in your league that their team looks very good as the season starts, and then they have a bunch of injuries. Maybe they become like the 103 when they were supposed to win the league that year. So I wouldn't look into it too early to trade for that. And also values are going to change by the time you do target that 101. So not a cop-out answer entirely, but that's kind of my perspective. Ain't done yet, ask Rex Grossman or Kyle Orton. Didn't take a ton of notes on this one. I looked at their career averages and they actually, I think it it was like leaning Orton, but that was like a big bears debate back in the day, because I think uh, what happened with that? Something, something along the lines of uh, Kyle Orton took over when Rex Grossman was hurt, took him to the playoffs and then they sat him for Rex Grossman. So it was a big debate back in the day, but Jacob was a a Broncos fan. And I think Orton was uh, was a Bronco at dynasty fam. Underscore pod, which side do you want 12 team super flex, three running back, three wide receiver, three uh flex burrow plus kw3? So that's Kenneth Walker, the third Ken Walker, the third running back, a rookie running back for Seattle, or Justin Herbert and Robert Woods. And this is this is pretty tough because I, I feel like if you break it down, I like Justin Herbert more than Joe Burrow in dynasty. I mean, Herbert quarterback two this past season for fantasy and you know he was the only uh, quarterback to even be close to Tom Brady in passing yards and he has a great system but also you know Joe Burrow's got a great system as well with uh with the pass catchers he has um I lean uh Ken Walker over Robert Woods and that to me you know I break it down even further I kind of lean the Burrow side which might be you know outside of other people's opinions for that I really love both systems. Again I have Herbert over Burrow we look at who they're throwing to very, very good guys, but you know, Ken Walker was a 2022 first was wood, you know, was woods during your rookie draft worth a higher mid second, you might say, no, he might be worth like a, maybe he was worth like a late second if even that. So when you, you weigh out the value of Ken Walker versus Robert Woods, is it more than the gap is between Herbert and, you know, Herbert and burrow. It might be uh, for me. So I think I'm going to lean the Burrow side on that. At FF underscore worm. Dalton Schultz, dynasty outlook, question mark. Love him for redraft this year. So, so do I, but not sure how to value him beyond 2022. Valid question because he was franchise tagged and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in 2023. So the best case scenario is probably him staying put in Dallas because we've already see, you know, seen him be very successful for uh, for fantasy. Worst case scenario is that he ends up like Johnny Smith with the Patriots and how he was this past season if he moves teams. Or Austin Hooper when he moved from the Falcons to the Browns. There was a massive drop-off in his value for the tight end position. Keep in mind, though, Mike Gusecki, Evan Ingram, Austin Hooper, Robert Tunyon, Hayden Hurst, Kyle Rudolph, Irv Smith—it's a carousel of tight ends come 2023 free agency. So some of those teams are pretty appealing. You know, if if Schultz does not get you know get the bag with the Cowboys, does he take Gasecki's spot in Miami? Maybe you say you don't like that because of the two pass catchers they already have. Does he take you know Jacksonville spot with Trevor Lawrence, or does he become the tight end with Ryan Tannehill, or? Uh, Aaron Rodgers or Joe Burrow or uh, Tom Brady, if he's back with the Buccaneers or the Vikings. So there are some appealing teams that may have a vacancy that he can take over. Again, the risk is the Hoopers and the John o. Smiths of the world, but I'd, I'd say I'm very, very in on Dalton Schultz. Uh, I talked about him on the, the tight end podcast and this one briefly before for 2022. I wouldn't be too worried about selling him for 2023. Um, You know, come middle to the end of the season, if he didn't perform to our expectations, then maybe you say it's too late to sell him for what you could have at the beginning of the season. But I also don't want to freak out too much and say, hey, what if he ends up on a bad team behind too many guys and loses all value? Because it's not like you're trading him right now for, you know, Javante Williams or something like that. But I think there are some pretty spots that he can land and he has a good chance of, of getting the bag from Dallas if they go and do that next on the list here at warm and fuzzy 7 in dynasty what is Tyree kills value i got offered a 2023 20, third 2024 20, second and a lave i didn't accept so i think it's i think it's dependent on the way you are building your dynasty team as of today are, are you really gunning for it in 2022 are you somewhere in the middle? Like you think you you got a shot at playoffs, which sometimes the guys that just barely make the playoffs end up winning the league. Uh, are you rebuilding? So there's a lot of things to keep in mind for him. Uh, uh, keep Trade Cut, the, the website, they have a nice uh, tool on there for trades. And uh, they say that he was worth the 102 uh, pick in 2022. They say that he's worth Travis Etienne. They say that he's worth Austin Eckler. They say that he's worth DJ Moore. I think the community, you know, the community right now, the fantasy community is lower on Tyreek Hill since the move, but I wouldn't sell low just because of that. Just because people are, you know, worried about the the downgrade in quarterback from Mahomes to Tua, which I put, I'm putting quotes just because it's a quote that people have said. I'm not saying it's not accurate, but we've seen his value the last couple seasons and we know what he does with the ball in his hands. And we know that he can take the top off of a corner or a safety have those explosive plays. So, you know, if some of those guys that I listed, Etienne, Eckler, DJ Moore, are more appealing to you and you can get something else with them, maybe I'm, I'm looking to do that if, if I don't need Tyreek Hill to push my team towards um, a chance to fight for a ship this year. Um, but I also want you to keep in mind that um, I wouldn't sell him for the load just because of some buzz about the change in the situation. I also, I know that 2024s were listed, and you know, some people are even trading 2025s. I get a little weary on that because I feel like you're just like throwing darts for too far out in the future. Sometimes it's worth it at the end of the day, but it, you know, I'd rather do it with a middle of the ground guy than somebody that's probably pretty elite for the position. All right. At Austin Thomas, would you rather be wanted or needed? I want to throw that on there. I thought it was an interesting question. Real quick, you can be wanted but not needed. You can be needed, but not wanted. Usually when you want something, it's a choice. When you need something, it's not always a choice. So I think the need part would be the one I go to. At MJE Johnson 8, starting a dynasty team, never done before. What's your best advice for brand new to it? Cheers, bro. Uh, You can go on a whole rant. I, I was on the fantasy points. Um, live stream with Scott Barrett and uh we were talking dynasty, I think, with TJ Calkins and uh some dynasty strategy. And I'll just throw out a couple small points because this can be an entire podcast episode on this. Find consistent sources you can trust for advice, whether it's rankings, a website, a person, uh consistent sources, though. So you know, if it's a person, somebody that's consistently putting content out there with a big why for it, we can all say buy. Josh Palmer and Dynasty, but if we don't say why, then it's maybe not always the best advice. So find people or sites or rankings that you trust and that you find some consistency with. Go take a glimpse at rankings and then go into the draft with tiers. I talked about tiers earlier. Tiers are important because if you go straight ranking, sometimes you lose out on value. But again, like before, when I said I had like three guys in the same range. Uh, Pittman, I think it was Pittman, Deontay and DJ Moore. This is for redraft, but I had those guys in the same range. I knew if I missed out, you know, missed out on one of them that I can pivot to the next guy or pivot to the guy after that. And then if I missed out on all three, then maybe I wait and address a different position. So think about, you know, looking at some rankings, uh, use those rankings, but they, you don't have to live and die by somebody else's rankings. Kind of think with, you know, how you view those rankings and also, you know, your own perspective, but then go into these drafts with tiers. And then uh, once you start drafting, you'll likely have an idea of where your team is heading. Are you, you know, win now? Are you uh, looking for a young team for the future? Are you, um, you know, building a team? Do you have some sort of balance? So go into the draft, play the board, but also kind of have a direction. Because if you go and draft, you're running back super old and then super young wide receivers. Maybe you're balanced, but also maybe... Your direction is not exactly the build uh, you want it to to begin with. And the last point here, don't devalue picks. Don't jump the gun based on reaction. Long game, even when you're playing to win. So, you know, don't just toss around draft picks. Don't just toss around future picks because you're in it for the long haul. Uh, Don't jump the gun when somebody has a bad week because it's dynasty. And if you overreact and you sell for the low, you might regret it later. I did that last year in a league with Jamar Chase. It was one of my biggest fantasy mistakes. I Jumped the gun on Jamar Chase, sold him for way too low, and I completely regretted it. But it was a learning point for me, and we're all learning through fantasy, even people that look into it too much, like myself. At Jimmy Lingle, which quarterback has a better chance with a solid 2022 season keeping his job, Davis Mills or Jared Goff? Good question. So, Davis Mills. If you look at some of his games last season, he was throwing the ball over 300 yards. He had a good connection with Brandon Cooks. He looked good, and he earned himself this role for this season. And maybe some will say Mills has this role because they're banking on one of the top tier quarterbacks in this, you know, Shroud or Bryce. You know, I mean, one of these top tier quarterbacks in the um, the coming draft. But I think he just earned himself a role. But I I'm going to lean Jared Goff, who I've 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 always been. Higher on than a lot of other people. Some of my buddies kind of give me shit about it. But Jared Goff, if you look at the system he has around him, you know, Davis Mills has Brandon Cooks and a bunch of sleepers. John Mechie, prayers up to him. I hope he comes back and absolutely, you know, absolutely kills it. But he's not going to play this this season. Nico Collins, I have him as a sleeper. I think he's he's a good late round guy, but he's a, he's a sleeper. Brevin Jordan is a sleeper, tight end. Brandon Cooks is a stud. So you got to look at that system and say, "Hey, is he set up to be super successful?" I don't know. I don't know. Jared Goff, we've seen have plenty of good fantasy seasons in the past, being like a top fifteen guy. And you know, did he live up to expectations with the Rams? No. And they 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 moved on and they won a Super Bowl, so they did the right thing. But I look at his system: DeAndre Swift, T.J. Hawkinson, running back, tight end. Then we look at the wide receivers: Amon Ross, Saint Brown, Jamison Williams, D.J. Chark. So I. I think that golf is set up better to be more successful. I also think that the lions will win a lot more games than the Texans this year. I think the lions are a team that are going to be an NFL sleeper because I feel like they were in so many games last season. It was, it was a bunch of tight games. They weren't getting blown out every game. And everybody looks at the lions like they're, they're like garbage, but they tied, they tied, I think they tie the Steelers. They they pulled off some upsets, and they um, were in a lot of games. So I think the Lions have a good chance of winning more games than the Texans. And both guys probably have uh, their jobs on the line, but I think Jared Goff has a little bit more of a track record and a little bit more of a cushion of a system. So I'm going to lean Jared Goff with this. At 58 W King podcast, who has the better 2022? Worst? Question mark. PPR. Mixon Najee Zeke so we'll run through this pretty quick on just how I I have them ranked I have Najee in my second tier with Swift Cook and Eckler so I have Swift Cook and Eckler and Najee and it's in my my uh my my draft guide who is ranked where but I have those guys in the same tier and they're in tier two I believe it was Taylor and McCaffrey in tier one then I had Swift Najee Cook Eckler in tier two tier three I had Joe Mixon with Derrick Henry and then Zeke, I had closer to twenty than I had to twelve, so that's kind of how I, I rank them going into the season. Najee, Mixon, Zeke, Mister Scamper's. Under, well, I'm sorry, at underscore Mister Scamper's. But for real, how are you viewing the New England wide receivers this year individually? Who is the target hog? Who is the touchdown vulture? And who is just done? Also, if you had a whole one in Dynasty, who is it? So let's just talk about redraft here. So. Jacoby Myers is being drafted the highest at wide receiver 54. Devontae Parker at wide receiver 58. Kendrick Bourne at wide receiver 79. They do have Taekwond uh, Thornton, Thornton, and um Aguilar as well, but I'm not going to talk about those guys for redraft. I do like Parker more than most people. He, he's a sleeper for me because we've seen a big Parker season in the past. 2019, I know it wasn't yesterday, wasn't that, you know, it also wasn't that long ago, but 2019, he was the wide receiver 13. He averaged 15 fantasy points per game, number four in receiving yards, number five in deep targets, number five in air yards, number three in total touchdowns. Three of his nine games in 2021, he was a top 20 wide receiver, weeks one through 17. So he just was a top uh, 20 wide receiver a handful of times this past season. He was banged up. He was getting targets. But we've also seen the upside of Devontae Parker in the categories of points per game, receiving yards, Deep targets and air yards and touchdowns. So we've seen a lot of good out of Devontae Parker. The big thing is that he's got to stay healthy. And some, you know, somebody mentioned on Twitter one time, well, like, oh, I, I've been watching him and you know, I don't like him because of certain things, but fantasy focused here. We've just, you know, we've seen him this past season have top 20 weeks. We've seen him this past season be a, a, uh, I'm sorry, uh, in 2019, be a top almost 12 wide receiver overall and average 15 fantasy points. So we've seen some good things out of Devontae Parker, and they traded for him. When you go and trade for a guy, they didn't spend a lot, but when you go and trade for a guy, that shows your intention that you want that person on your team. I think there's a chance that he could be max wide receiver one, Devontae Parker. I think there's a chance he can see 90 to 100 targets. Is that, should he be valued at wide receiver 58 if those things are all true? Probably not. I also like Kendrick Bourne at his price uh, because I think he has some sneaky upside that we saw last season. And his price is wide receiver 79. This past season, though, he had three weeks of 20 plus fantasy points. Major upside there in the touchdown department. He was number 16 in yards after the catch with 400. He was number nine in juke rate player profilers evaded tackles per reception. Myers, Jacoby Myers, had 866 receiving yards on a lot more targets than Kendrick Bourne, who had 800 receiving yards. Jacoby Myers had nine rushing yards, though, and Kendrick Bourne had 125 rushing yards. I think people forget that this guy is used in that aspect of the game sometimes, and he's killing camp right now. So I think he's a guy that has some upside to the flex position is because we saw it last season with Mac Jones, who is now going into year two. He's super cheap. So I like Devante Parker and I like Kendrick Bourne. Jacoby Myers, I'm out on just because I don't see the upside in Jacoby Myers. He has too many low targeted games. I think he had like nine games under 50 receiving yards this past season. At FF Nomad 13, who has the best year and worst year among Devonta, Judy, Ayuk, and Renfro? <clears throat> so I have Judy above everybody else. Judy's. One of my guys going into the season, he's he's with Russell Wilson, the best quarterback he's ever played with. I believe in Jerry Judy's ability with the ball in his hands. I believe in the route running. I think he needs to stay healthy. That is important, but he's got a true chance to be Russell Wilson's wide receiver one. And I'm not anti-Sutton. I think that Sutton might lead the team in receiving yards, but I think Judy's going to lead the team in fantasy points and targets. So I'm all in on Jerry Judy this year. Renfo, Devonta, and Ayuk. I think, you know, I think they're all very similar to me. I think that, I mean, I think Devonta, you might say is the wide receiver two in his offense, is he the second or third option? Is, is Goddard going to have games with more targets than uh, Devonta Smith? I'm not sure, but AJ Brown is boosting him. Iuke, is he like the third option in his offense with Kittle and Debo? We've seen big games out of him. Renfro was awesome last season, but is he, is he like the third option in his offense? So, it, there's a lot of asterisks to these guys. You can weigh out their quarterbacks. You can weigh out uh, what their target share is going to be like. You can weigh out their receiving yards. But I'll just say that I got those guys in, in a very similar outlook right now, and I have Jerry Judy well above those guys. So not trying to cop out of that answer, but I don't, you know, feel that, that any of those guys are far ahead of the the other ones right now. I think I ranked Ayuk, to be honest, the the latest of the group, but at W.J. Bennett, underscore Lee. Should I grab both Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker? Penny's only downside seems to be health issues, but spending my seventh and eighth picks on two backs in the same offense feels steep, and I agree to that. I think it's going to be Rashad Penny as the lead back this season. I, I think Ken Walker, if that is the case, might be the best handcuff in in fantasy. I mean, maybe he's, he's a top three hand, handcuff. You can argue guys like, You know, if if Kareem Hunt had a, a full workload or, you know, Stevenson versus Harris, things like that. But I think it's going to be Penny, but I also want to talk about the strategy for that. So seventh and eighth rounds in my home league this past weekend, I went seventh round Elijah Moore, eighth round Rashad Penny. Now, if I went seventh round Ken Walker, eighth round Rashad Penny, I'm not playing them both on a weekly basis ever. Even if they both have decent weeks and even if they both have... Some sort of standalone value. I'm never going to play both of those guys. What do I have the chance of playing every single week? Rashad Penny and Elijah Moore. I do. So, what's more important to my lineup? Having the option of two guys that might be weekly starters every single week or the option of just locking down a backfield. You're never going to play both guys. You might end up playing, you know, anybody you take in the seventh and eighth round versus, you know, taking two guys that are going to be the starter and the backup. So I'm going to go with uh, don't do that just because I think you are um, tapping the ceiling of your starting lineup on a weekly basis. At hey underscore Blakeway with the Watson news, where does he rank in redraft leagues? Interesting question. So um, just to talk about fantasy um, football and, and not about... Um, The actual situation, and, you know, I know a lot of people um, have dug deep into that and have felt certain ways, which I think you are completely entitled to, 100%. But just speaking on fantasy football, Deshaun Watson, I think, has top five quarterback upside. The issue is he's going to be out for six weeks. It's not 100%, but that's what it's it's looking like right now. Uh, You know, where he ranks at the end of the season, one of the issues I have is, you know, if you take them high right now, you have to make sure that your second quarterback option is is, is a quarterback that probably also has top 12 um, range of outcomes for them. Because, you know, if you bench Watson, you could say, hey, I might have him for the fantasy playoffs. But if you start the season 0-6 and 6 because you, you know, you took Watson and then you took Jared Goff, um, then you might, you know, have looked back and say, hey, maybe I should have, you know, addressed this position better. Um, so that's your call to make, you know, you can end up six and Oh, and then having Watson week seven, then you, you look at me and say, Hey, it was smart to do that. Or you could be Oh, and six and be completely out of the race. Uh, because your, you know, division that you're in is, is a really strong one and say, shit, I, you know, I shouldn't have taken Watson. I should have taken somebody else I could have used for, you know, those first six weeks. So I will say when he plays, he's got top five upside for the quarterback position, but I also will say if you do take him. Um, in redraft this year, be smart with how you build your team. You know, if, if you end up taking a guy that, um, is a car cousins and, you know, you had to take two quarterbacks earlier than you wanted, maybe it's smarter because you don't want to be, you know, chasing the playoffs because you pivoted, um, and, and, you know, missed out on, on, on the quarterback position, uh, too, too much because of, uh, the Watson situation. At. E Wiener fantasy. Who is your favorite running back target pass and ADP of running back 40 and why? So, uh, you know, I had a couple guys in my, my sleeper team that I could talk about, you know, Damien Pierce running back 47. Can he win the the job in Houston? Uh, that's a good price running back 47. If he does. And even if they, you know, they suck or they're not good this year, volume is King. And if he gets volume, that could be useful. Same with the, the, the Falcons. If Tyler Algier, wins the job. He's running back 54 for his ADP, so that's worth it if he gets the work. Daryl Williams is another guy you can think about. He's running back 56. If he's the handcuff for uh, James Conner, he had some really nice weeks when he stepped in as the the lead back for Kansas City. I talked about JD McKissick earlier. I think he's going to be the guy I'm just going to mention again here. Running back 45. Again, 10 out of 27 games the last two seasons. 16 plus fantasy points. Average 4.55 catches per game. 80 catches in uh, I believe 2021, uh, t- sorry, 2020, 80 catches. So that, that'd that be a guy that that I, I might be targeting late in the draft. At JPEP20, what's one stadium you'd love to go visit in 2022? Probably won't be, but uh, of course, Bill's Mafia, man. Uh, crashing through tables. I did it on a live stream one time, so Highmark Stadium, but not when it's cold. I hate being at cold games. I went to two Chicago games across the last, like, couple years, and both were, like, ridiculously cold. So if I go to a Bills game where it's not freezing, that would be badass to me. At PSI Claw thirteen, ranking Adam Thielen. I came up, you know, with a list of polarizing players to rank, and Adam Thielen was one of them for me. I mean, he's had double digit touchdowns the last two seasons, twenty four total across the last two. He's missed all, you know. He's also missed though eleven games the last three seasons, so there are some durability concerns uh, for a guy that is. 31 years old, going to be 32. He is getting the OC, so the offensive coordinator from the Rams, and we saw how they operated for uh the fantasy world for real life football. You know, Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver one, redraft and dynasty. Thielen's got wide receiver twenty eight ADP. You know, I, I had him, I think, around 30 when I did some early rankings before. It could be a big whiff for me just because we've seen Adam Thielen score a lot of touchdowns and be very fantasy relevant. But also there are durability concerns for him for an aging wide receiver. And you got, you know, guys in the system that are young that might start taking some more targets away in K.J. Osborne and Irv Smith Jr. You know, uh, Delvin Cook gets some work as well in the passing game. Justin Jefferson is going to get his and eat. So I'm not out on Thielen, but I'm not going to pretend that I have, you know, this massively solidified stance on where I have in my rankings because I do think he's a very polarizing player because at a wide receiver 28 ADP, he could be well worth it if he finishes as wide receiver 18 this year, but also he can have that range of outcomes where he's finishing beyond 30. So I think Thielen is just a polarizing player to me this season. I think I, I, you know, I have him around that 30 range and I might regret it later, but that's just kind of where we're at right now at Andrew hall, FF. Uh, I'm getting like hot mouth over. Can Pittman be a top five wide receiver in dynasty? I love Pittman. For this coming season, you know, we saw a nice jump from him uh, from his rookie to sophomore season, wide receiver 21 overall finish for fantasy top 20 weeks for the position this past season, you know, specifically specifically looking at weeks five through nine. He averaged 19 fantasy points. He was the wide receiver three during that stretch. I know we're, we're nitpicking a sample size, but we've seen him have a very good set of weeks, which shows that he could continue to have that in his third season, number 15 in receptions, number 16 in receiving yards and number 14 in red zone targets. That's all good signs for a young wide receiver. He was also solid on his routes. He he finished third in total route wins from player profiler. A lot of positive notes, despite being number 44 in catchable target rate from Carson Wentz, which is terrible. So catchable target rate, I think it's important. Um, and having an upgrade to the quarterback position is intriguing to me with with Matt Ryan. Uh 25.7 percent for Pittman's 2021 target share. Is that gonna change a ton? I don't think so. You know, we're looking at Paris Campbell having a good camp. We're looking at rookie Alec Pierce is, is is trying to step up. I think those guys will eat into you know each other's target share versus Michael Pittman's with Matt Ryan. You know, is is this Matt Ryan's new Julio Jones? I'm not saying Michael Pittman Jr. is Julio Jones. But is he Matt Ryan's new wide receiver one? You know, we've seen plenty of years of Matt Ryan supporting very fantasy relevant wide receivers with, with Jones and Calvin Ridley. And again, not comparing those two guys, but I'm all in on a, on a Michael Pittman having a major breakout this season. I was, you know, teeter-tottering him and T. Higgins is my wide receiver 12. I, I gave that to T. Higgins and I have uh, Michael Pittman Jr. as my wide receiver 13 for the year. But, you know, wide receiver five is very hard because there's a lot of guys that we're probably putting ahead of him in dynasty. But I will say, if he does have a major, major year, let's say he finishes inside the top ten for fantasy. Let's say he, like, has this massive breakout year with, uh, with Matt Ryan. He gets all these red zone looks. He has touchdown upside. He's getting, you know, a massive target share. And he finishes, like, the wide receiver seven. Will people start... You know, flirting with that top five, there's the potential for it. So I think this year is going to be a big, big year, you know, year for Pittman. And I think that he is one of those guys that wherever we have him for Dynasty right now, he has the chance to have a big jump in rankings following this season. So top five is pretty tough. But if he has the year that we think he should have, who knows where we are going to rank him following the year? Had 521 juice. After Chase and JJ, who was the wide receiver three in Dynasty? So people might say Cooper Cup. I don't know if I'm gonna lean that just because of you know the long term with his with his age. You can you can argue that though. You can say, well, he's gonna help me win my league, so I'm gonna put him there, which is fair. I'll probably lean like CeeDee Lamb, who is you know almost seven years younger than Cooper Cup. But again, a very telling year for wide receivers in Dynasty. You got Lamb with no Amari Cooper. AJ Brown with with Jalen Hurts now, how is that going to look? Jalen Waddle with Tyreek Hill, you know how how is that going to look? Hill with Tua, Hill with Waddle, you know you know how are we going to rank those guys in dynasty? We just talked about Pittman with Matt Ryan. We got the DK situation. He just got the bag. DJ Moore with with Baker, how is that going to look? There's a lot of guys that have a really big season for what their dynasty outlook is going to look like. So you can probably You know, put a bunch of guys in that range of like three to seven and say, here's my argument for these guys being this wide receiver in dynasty and make a good argument for it. So if I had to pick somebody, I might lean CD lamb right now, but CD lamb, this is a big, big, I'm not going to say make it or break it year for him in dynasty, but I think it's a big, make it or break it in his dynasty price in dynasty value. If he doesn't have the season we're expecting out of him being Dak's number one target on a team that is not going to have Michael Gallup for sometime and does not have Amari Cooper anymore. At uh, C1T1C, I'm sorry, 1ZEN underscore 1NSANE. So it looks like citizen underscore uh, insane almost. Uh, also at uh, GRND. A D M R L Sean asks, they both had questions relating to both CMC and Saquon. So I just want to touch on those guys really quick there. 2019 Christian McCaffrey scored 471.2 fantasy points to Lamar Jackson's 421.7 fantasy points and Lamar Jackson's MVP season. The next player scored 374.6, just showing how like crazy of a season those guys had the next running back. After McCaffrey's 471.2 fantasy points, had 314.8. 2018, Saquon across the full season weeks one through, I, th- I believe, 17, scored 385.8 fantasy points. He edged CMC by 0.3. So he had the most fantasy points during that season for the running back position. Saquon Barkley had two seasons above a thousand rushing yards, one season with 91 receptions. CMC had two seasons above a thousand yards rushing two seasons over a hundred yards. I'm sorry, over a hundred receptions. We got a 25 and a 26 year old. A lot of people have, have been pushing them as players. They're out on because of so many injuries the last two seasons. Don't forget what they've done though, because what these two guys have done for not just the fantasy world for football in general, just shows the, abilities that they have as both rushers and pass catchers. These guys are absolute studs at their positions. I'm not fading either, and I'm all for both guys bouncing back because I'm not just going to be scared of of the injuries. And you are going to get burned by injuries in fantasy. And you might want to follow trends of injuries and be out on guys. But when you've seen the ceiling of these guys, you can't... I'm just, I'm just not, you know, with saying that they're washed or they're injury prone, when in reality, they're very, very good at football. These two were once the running back one and two in dynasty, and they faded off a bit just because of injuries. But I am all for both of these guys. If I can have them both of my team somehow for this coming season, absolutely, I would be in for it. But I'm targeting both if I can. You can make the argument that McCaffrey is the 101 for one quarterback leagues for this coming season. You can make that argument you can make the argument that Barkley is a top 10 running back for fantasy this coming season in a, you know, an offense that looks a lot better with a new head coach, um, more offensive weapons. They added to the O-line a little bit. So I'm, I'm in on both guys for this coming season. They're both extremely good talents. At FF ball guru is Trey Lance over heights. I would say it seems, you know, I thought he was going to be for where he's being drafted and his, you know, his ADP has gone up a bit. But it's it's currently at QB thirteen. I think he does have a high ceiling. You know, I talked about it the other day. I made a Trey Lance video uh, on TikTok. I put it on Twitter. You know, Jimmy. I I, I posed the question: How was Jimmy G number twelve in passing yards but number twenty four in air yards? How does that make sense? Why? Because Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Brandon Ayuk were amazing in the yards after catch category. So Jimmy G just needed to have the ability to put the ball in his playmakers hands and they got him the extra yardage, which gives Jimmy G extra fantasy points. What's missing from Jimmy G was the rushing ceiling that Trey Lance has. He has uh, a very athletic profile and he's going to get those fantasy points as well. If you say Jimmy G is a better passer of the football, fine. I'm sure there's a lot uh, that Trey Lance has to build on in the passing department, but He has a high ceiling just because, again, all he has to do is be competent to put the ball in his playmaker's hands, and I think Shanahan is going to make his playbook surrounded about that. Trey Lance, scheme up the runs, but also Trey Lance, just get the ball in these guys' hands, let them do the work. So is he overhyped? You know, He he is hyped up a lot, but QB 13 for his price, is he going to have weeks where he is a top five quarterback? I think so. I think so. It's a great offense and he's got the, the Konami code rushing ability. If come the start of the season, he's being drafted as like the quarterback five or something, then maybe he's overhyped. So I think it's all based on his price. I think the community loves him Um, in your home league. Maybe he goes higher than QB 13 for his eight, you know, his his current ADP, but comes down to price. And I think his ceiling is very high. So I wouldn't say he's overhyped because I don't think he's being drafted as an overhyped player right now at uh, football, uh, fant fantasy. Basically, it's uh, F-A-N-T-A-S-Z. Darnell Mooney or Amon Ross St. Brown, and while let's just say for redraft, I think that you know maybe you can argue their dynasty values are similar. I'm gonna lean Mooney because I'm more confident in his target share and target ceiling in his offense. I think there's just more guys, and I'm not uh, you know I'm not out on uh Amon Ross St. Brown. I just think that the target share for Darnell Mooney is going to be. Higher because he has nobody else really catching the ball besides me Colcomed and maybe some to Monty and maybe some to random guys you know you know in, in his offense versus being in a system with Swift and Hawkinson and um you know, Jameson Williams when he comes back and Chark and some other guys that can make some plays. So I I just think Mooney has the higher target sh- uh, share potential. I'm sure many people probably have those guys in the same tier. At Ladarius underscore Brown. Do you see Kyle Pitts finishing as a top three tight end in fantasy this season? He is my top uh, three fantasy tight end. He is uh, my number three, so absolutely, yes. I I have him in tier two alone behind Kelsey and Andrews talked about earlier. Pitts rookie season, he had the second most uh, tight end receiving yards as a rookie ever with 1,026. He was number two in air yards, 1,110. Number three in deep targets, number seven in receptions, number seven in yards after the catch with 328 the case. Atlanta will be chasing games and throwing a ton. Number two, Pitts could be the primary option and see 120 plus targets in his offense. Volume is king. Touchdowns might be the big question mark. We've seen Mariota, like I said before, with Delaney Walker in the past have have really um, good fantasy seasons for Delaney Walker, uh, who was his number one target in that offense. So Touchdowns might be the question mark, but I think Pitts being more of a wide receiver than a tight end, Pitts having the option, uh, opportunity to be uh, the number one target in his offense and see 120, 130 targets. uh, It's hard to go against a guy that's a freak athlete uh, on a team that's probably going to be throwing the ball a ton. Got two more at Gemmo the Icon. Bottled water, name brand or store brand. I'm not a big like. I know some people are very keen on like you got to get the name brand stuff. I get like Walmart and Jewel Water all the time, so it doesn't matter to me. It Doesn't matter if it's cold or, or uh, room temperature, unless I'm like you know coming back from a run or something, or it's hot outside. But uh, I'm not picky with the with the brands waters. But uh, shout out to Gemmo the Icon, my guy. I like that question. And last question at Lit Javi, what's a realistic trade return for Chase Claypool in a twelve team Dynasty PPR league? I'm not, you know, huge in a lateral training, but if you prefer somebody that, you know, has a similar price to um, Chase Claypool uh, and has different qualities, you know, I talked about Kadarius Tony earlier. Who would I prefer? I might prefer Tony. I'm not super high on Chase Claypool. You know, if you really need a running back and you're in a pinch, can you trade Claypool for Kareem Hunt? Maybe, you know, maybe people will say they don't want Kareem Hunt, but I think Kareem Hunt has shown us his own standalone value. And if he ends up being uh, a a lead back somewhere else, or if Chubb is injured, knock on wood that, you know, he doesn't, is that a good trade is, you know, is Schultz who we talked about earlier. Is that a good trade? If you uh, are like in desperate need of a tight end Uh, is a high second, uh, a good trade for Claypool. I'm not very in. So I, I think there's a lot of options I'd be willing to explore. I will say too, though, that, Pickens does have the chance to beat out Claypool. I think that's very realistic to happen. I'm not saying it a hundred percent will happen. Maybe it doesn't happen year one either, but uh, I also won't say like, you know, if we keep seeing these Pickens highlight clips, just to like sell Claypool for like a, a late third round pick or something like that, like be smart, you know, and don't, we, we talked about this earlier. Don't um, completely undervalue because of uh, players because of overreactions on things. So, I'd explore what your team needs to be better. Again, I, I mentioned like Kareem Hunt or Schultz or like a high second or something like that. I mentioned Tony, if you prefer another wide receiver over Claypool and somebody who likes Claypool, you can explore those options. So talked for too long, got caught mouth, but if you guys tuned in for any portion of this, uh, I really appreciate it. You know, I, I, I've been doing a lot of 20 minute pods, so this one was a lot longer, but I respect so much that so many people gave me fantasy football questions. Usually I don't get a ton. So when I asked the the fantasy community. Hey, can you guys give me some fantasy questions? And all of these people did. I wanted to make sure that I answer these questions because people took the time out of their day to ask them to me. So I wanted to take the time out of my day to answer them for you. So thank you guys for tuning in. Let's uh let's keep grinding this uh this off season until we get to the season. Go win those ships. So uh we uh and, and keep that mentality to play to win. Have a good night guys.